Mood with Kim G.C. Moody Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Moody. I'm a Canadian tax expert who has over 30 years of experience at a specialist level dealing with Canada-U.S. tax matters for the private client. For those of you who know me, I love the study of leadership. I'm passionate about entrepreneurship and how tax and economic policy impacts Canadian entrepreneurs, executives, and average Canadians. This podcast will discuss topics relating to taxation, taxation policy, leadership, economics, and the odd political comment as it relates to the previous topics, all in a lighthearted and playful style. Strap in and come along for the ride. Good day. My name is Kim Moody. I'm your host for In the Mood with Kim G.C. Moody. And today, episode three, I'd like to chat with you about what happens when successful Canadians decide that they want to leave Canada, uh, or any Canadians for that matter that want to leave Canada. What happens from a tax perspective? It's a really tricky topic and there's lots of mythologies out there. You know, I've had no shortage of people in my career that, you know, just think that they can pack up and leave and, and they don't have any further you know, further tax to pay in Canada, but it's not that easy. You know, they certainly can cut their ties and become a non-resident of Canada, uh, which we're going to talk about here shortly, but you do need to take methodical and careful steps in order to cut your residential ties with Canada so that you don't have to pay any more tax on your worldwide income. So let's talk about that for a second. Canada like most countries in the world, taxes individuals who are so-called resident of Canada. The tricky issue though is that there's no definition of resident in the Income Tax Act, which is our taxing statute, which just, you know, off, as a quick comment, our taxing statute is by far the most voluminous and complex statute in, in Canada. And for it not to have a definition of residency you know, might appear uh, surprising to some, but also, you know, when, you're, when you've been in the game for as long as I have, it's, it's not surprising because how do you actually define who a resident of Canada is? You know, as, as the court, and in particular the Supreme Court of Canada, in a 1946 decision uh, of Thompson, you know, it analyzed what does residency mean and and actually analyzed a number of issues. But really, the court looked at uh, a number of factors that will determine factual residency. And the most important things are, uh, where are you? Where's your dependence? Where's your center of economic interest? And then ultimately, there's a bunch of secondary ties, like where's your driver's license and healthcare and bank accounts and social ties and clubs and things like that. the key is that intention um, is not determinative. In other words, you might intend to be a non-resident of Canada, but your facts better, uh, better be consistent with that intention because you may intend, but your facts may not uh, support that. And I've had a number of people over my career who say, well, you know, I'm going to be a non-resident of Canada, but meanwhile, they've got... Um, you know, they've got a house ready for them. I'll tell you a quick story on this issue. Um, I've dealt with 
you know, professional athletes a good chunk of my career. And, you know, one, one day I was uh, chatting with a, with a professional athlete who was, um, you know, he had a short NHL career, National Hockey League career, and played most of his uh, time overseas. And he was telling me that, uh, that he was a non-resident of Canada and I said, oh, really? I said, I, th I thought you come back to Canada quite regularly. He goes, oh, yeah, no, I've got a house. And I said, is it vacant during the time that you're away? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's away. I've got people coming to look at it. I said, do you rent it? No, no, no. I said, let me see your driver's license. So he gave me his copy of his driver's license. And sure enough, it was a, an Alberta driver's license. And I said, well, where's all your bank accounts? Oh, they're in, they're in uh, Calgary. And, and so to make a long story short, this fellow was clearly a resident of Canada, had received some very poor advice over the years, and ultimately was reporting his income, you know, his worldwide income as being a non-resident of Canada. That's, you know, an audit waiting to happen. And ultimately in a situation like that, even though the person intended to be a, a non-resident of Canada, the facts simply didn't support it. And so, you know, things like that are important uh, if you do want to become a non-resident of Canada. Because if you're a resident of Canada, you're taxed on your worldwide income. And if you're a non-resident of Canada, you're not. Now, Canada still has the right to tax a non-resident, and there's a number of things but the, uh, that they can. Uh, the, but the, com the, the top three, of course, uh, because the Income Tax Act lays it out, is if you're employed in Canada, well, as a non-resident, then you're going to be taxed in Canada. If you're carrying on a business in Canada as a non-resident of Canada, well, then you're going to be taxed on your business profits. Now, the treaties that Canada has with a number of countries around the world can modify that because the threshold of carrying on business in Canada is pretty low, but the treaties uh, raise that. So you'd have to look at whether or not you're actually carrying on a business in Canada as a non-resident. And lastly, Canada will always reserve the right to tax a non-resident on the disposition uh, of its real estate. So if a non-resident of Canada owns uh, res you know, residential real estate or just real estate in general in Canada, um, then, or resource rights, uh, then it will have the ability to tax that disposition. And that's referred to as taxable Canadian property. And so there are other withholding taxes that Canada can subject a non-resident to. Like for example, if you have an RSP, but you're a non-resident of Canada and you withdraw from that RSP, there's a 25% withholding tax. And there's some modifications on the various treaties, but the, but the standard withholding rate is 25%. If you have dividends that are paid to you from a Canadian company, well, the standard withholding rate is 25%. Now, again, that can be modified by treaty. So there's things that you need to look at um, as to if you do become a non-resident of Canada, what happens? And so, um, but if you do want to become a non-resident of Canada, then as I've said, you need to carefully plan because the, the big issue is that there is a deemed disposition of all of your assets at fair market value at the time you become a non-resident of Canada. 
And determining the time you become a non-resident is really a question of fact. What do your facts say? When did you actually leave Canada? Did you get on an airplane and go somewhere? Um, and you know, when did you sell your, your house if you owned a property? Or when did you give up your lease in Canada, etc.? So really you have to spend careful time looking at what was that date that you became a non-resident of Canada because that, on that date, you're deemed to have disposed of all of your assets at fair market value. Now there are some exceptions and there's some big exceptions to that general rule of a deemed disposition. Um, all, of all of your registered assets such as RSPs or RIFs or TFSAs, those are not subject to the deemed disposition rule because ultimately Canada will get their pound of flesh when you withdraw or deem to have withdrawn from those plans. TFSAs are exempt of course because they're not subject to tax in any event but as a non-resident you can't add to your contribution limits for a TFSA. The other common uh, and big exception for deemed dispositions is re residential, real or try that again, real estate that you own personally in Canada. If you own property in Canada personally, then that is exempt from the departure tax because again, Canada will get their pound of flesh as I've already uh, mentioned because Canada reserves the right to tax non-residents when they ultimately dispose of their Canadian real estate or are deemed to have disposed, say for example, on death. Now, if that residential real estate is held through uh, a partnership or through a corporation, um, and I think I said residential uh, real estate, and if I did, then I'll correct myself. It's just real estate in general. But if you hold it through those vehicles, like I said, a partnership or a corporation or even a trust, then that exemption does not apply and you are deemed to have disposed of either your partnership interest or the shares of the company that holds that property or uh, in some cases the trust interest that you might hold. So you've got to be really careful and methodically think about all um, you know, the exposure that you might have with respect to departure tax. And that's the big exercise why people like me and certainly our team uh, get involved with people leaving Canada is because the departure tax is very tricky. You need to carefully calculate it and look at what, uh, you know, what do you need to pay uh, before you leave and how do you actually um, you know, get out of Canada uh, properly. Now in some cases the deemed disposition or what we call in our field the departure tax, it can be really problematic because it can cause a tax liability but the liquidity uh, that you may have may not be available. For example, you may not have the cash. Let's say a lot of your assets are in tied up in shares of a private corporation and you don't have the liquidity to, to pay that tax. In some cases, you will be able to provide security or what's referred to in the Income Tax Act as adequate security and you, you literally have to negotiate with the CRA in terms of what is adequate security. Can you put those shares up, for example, as security? And if so, what are the ongoing restrictions with respect to those shares? Um, or can you provide a mortgage? Or try that again. Can you provide some real estate as security, et cetera? So you got to look at that very carefully. And again, that's part of our job as tax specialists and advisors uh, to make sure that you 
put up the proper payment, either in cash or provide adequate security. And so it really does uh, become an exercise, you know, when we look at the mathematics of departure tax, you know, what's the economics of what you're paying today versus the tax savings in the future, if there is any, because maybe you're not leaving Canada simply for tax, which in most cases, and I'll explain later, um, it's not a tax exercise for most people that leave Canada. And I wrote about this in a Financial Post article uh, recently. But what is the, the pros and cons from a tax perspective of leaving Canada? You're going to have your departure tax, which you have to pay right away, or provide adequate security. But maybe where you're going, which in most cases is the United States in my experience, and you may have some tax savings on your future income. So will you be able to recover that departure tax payment by the future tax savings? And what's the present value of all that? And are there any downsides to where you're going? Like for example, in the United States for high net worth people, there's an estate tax. You know, that factors into the equation as well because to the extent that you're subject to the U.S. estate tax, it can be rather uh, expensive. And so you have to think about that. You know, if you're going to some European country, um, a lot of European countries have estate taxes as well. And from a tax perspective, a lot of their income tax rates are very high. So you have to consider that as well. So part of our job and part of your job, if you're considering leaving Canada, is to consider all of these issues. What's the departure tax? And what's your future tax liabilities? Can you recover that future, or sorry, that departure tax? If not, you know, how much is it actually costing you? Because you should know that. And what are some other consequences like a state tax? And so that's kind of a, just a quick drive-by in terms of some of the things that you need to think about. But maybe, let, let's spend the rest of the time here uh, talking, you know, why is there all the interest on this? I've told this story many times, um, you know, when I speak publicly on this issue. And I wrote about it in the Financial Post as well. You know, in my entire roughly 30-year taxation career, I worked on maybe a dozen files throughout my uh, career where people were leaving Canada. They wanted to leave Canada. And so my job or our job as tax advisors in the firm was to help them, you know, manage and calculate the departure tax exposure. And, and most of those files, roughly the dozen that I worked on in the first, let's say, 24 years of my career, 23, 24 years of my career, roughly, uh, most of them were lifestyle driven. You know, they wanted to leave Canada because the weather was too cold in Canada. They wanted to go to a warmer lifestyle or warmer climate, or perhaps they wanted to be with their kids who were living somewhere else, um, etc. It was usually not tax driven. Um, of course, our job as tax advisors, again, was to help them manage from a tax perspective to, to get them out of Canada. But all those cases were generally lifestyle, roughly a dozen over my 23, 24 year uh, career. Uh, in the last six, seven years with the change of federal government that we've had, that really has had you know, an attack, uh, attack's not the right word, but they've really, well the government has really, yeah I guess attack, they've attacked successful people by increasing personal tax rates on the top end you know, they've gone after small business owners in 2017 with uh, 
with a very mean-spirited um, set of rules that they, they applied and, and ultimately got passed, thankfully in a, in a softer form than, than what they were first proposed. And then just continuing threats of you know, more increases and more attacks. Like for example, we have the alternative minimum tax that is proposed to be changed effective January 1 of this year in 2024. You know, that's a very mean-spirited attack on high net worth people and in particular people that are philanthropic. And so a lot of, and, and of course then there's threats of, of, of an estate tax coming, or sorry, a wealth tax coming into play. So what's been interesting is the last six or seven years or so, and in particular the last three, the interest in people wanting to become non-residents of Canada has spiked. And, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say tax is the sole reason, as I mentioned earlier, but it's certainly a tipping point now. People are very generally concerned that taxation policy is not right in Canada and overall economic policy with huge deficits. Um, you know, they're concerned that their ultimate lifestyle may be compromised into the future and their kids and their grandchildren's future may be compromised and so they're now exploring and so i've, I've mentioned the, this next part quite routinely as well and like i mentioned in my financial post article earlier this year i often get rebutted by academics and some government bureaucrats that i'm you know that i'm exaggerating on this next point and i can tell you right now i'm not and I always challenge the academics and government bureaucrats to come sit in my office um, and I'll cleanse the files for, you know, for confidentiality reasons and I'll show them what we're working on. Nobody's ever taken me up on that. Um, but because the number of files that we've worked on, remember I said that there's only, you know, I only worked on roughly a dozen files over my you know, first 23, 24 years of my career. In the last six or seven, the number of files that our firm has worked on is probably over 600 files. Now, have all of those 600 files left Canada? No, but, um, and the number is certainly a lot smaller than that, but I can tell you that the interest is in that neighborhood and people are really you know, successful people are really concerned and are willing to engage us to help them explore whether or not it makes sense. And then for the ones that are just adamant that they want to leave Canada, I can tell you the, the wealth that has left Canada uh, that I've seen is tremendous. I won't give you a dollar figure, but let's just say it is very, very significant, which is sad. It's really sad for Canada because we need successful people you know, they pay a lot of tax and they help pay for a lot of infrastructure that a good government should provide. And so to see successful people leave Canada and ultimately those tax dollars leave Canada, it's sad. And so all to say that, um, you know, the, the, the trend continues today as I record this podcast and I am concerned and I, I think Canada needs to do something to turn that around. A good start, and this is not the only thing, but a good start would be to, to look at its spending, get its deficits under control, so that ultimately we can have some relief for all Canadians on tax. Our personal tax rates are far too high. 
and um, we need to bring them down to a much more reasonable level so as to reward people to take risks, uh, reward entrepreneurs for taking risks uh, rather than punishing them with, with unbelievable rates of personal tax, especially as compared to the United States. So one key component that you need to look at, which is not tax, but it's probably more important than tax, uh, is if you want to leave Canada, where are you going? In my experience, as I mentioned in the Financial Post article that I published earlier this month, as I mentioned a few times already, um, they're, they're mostly going to the United States, by far. You know, and you, the listener, may not like the United States. You, know, you may think that it's more mean-spirited than Canada. You may not like its politics, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is, is that the United States and Canada are very similar um, from a language perspective, from a culture perspective, from an economic perspective. And frankly, the United States is a much warmer climate in general than Canada. And so it's a natural for a lot of Canadians to want to uh, go to somewhere that is similar to Canada as opposed to going to somewhere where the culture and the, and the language uh, is very, very different. And so I would submit to you probably 90 to 95% of the files that we've worked on, they've gone to the United States. You know, some of the other files have gone to Europe or, uh, or the odd uh, country. You know, there's a, there's a mistaken belief out there that a lot of people that leave Canada are going to tax havens like the Caymans or Bahamas or Barbados. That's just simply mythology. Most people that leave Canada are not going there. Um, there's been the odd one, certainly, that we've worked on, but it's mainly for lifestyle reasons uh, that they're uh, planting themselves there. So, you need to, if you're going to the United States, or let's say Europe or wherever, you need to make sure that you can actually go there. You need immigration status. And so, usually the starting point when we look at these issues is where are you going and can you actually go there? What's the immigration process or hurdles? And in many cases, it's achievable, but it's not a slam dunk. You need to work with qualified professionals and make sure that you can actually get proper, proper immigration uh, status. So, I think that's it for today. It's a, that's a, uh, you know, a bit of a rambling drive-by in terms of what it, what it takes to become a non-resident Canada, some of the reasons why people are, are still keen to look at leaving Canada my hope uh, is that you know soon we'll have economic and taxation policies that are more in line with common sense. In other words, we balance our budgets uh, and we can ultimately get our spending under control and that'll leave room for taxation relief to a lot of uh, to, to encourage more successful people to come to Canada and to reward people to take risks. Uh, fingers crossed. So I hope you enjoyed today's uh, podcast and subscribe for more. Thanks very much. Bye now. So there you have it. Another episode of In the Mood with Kim G.C. Moody podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing it. I'm always open to feedback. Please reach out to me at my personal website at kimgcmoody.com. Feel free to sign up to my mailing list for my one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one newsletter where I comment on 
One comment on taxation, one comment on leadership, and one comment on economic or public policy matters. And feel free to reach out to me on my LinkedIn account as well. Until next time, take care. Bye now.